Friday Night Ohio podcast powered by Goodwill. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive returns in week 10 with Louisville and Central Catholic taking part. Look for Goodwill trailers set up at each school throughout week 10 to receive donations of clothes and housewares. An interesting week 9 is complete for Stark County area teams. Perry played spoiler against McKinley. Hoover stumbled on the road and Sandy Valley did something for the first time since Ike was president. I'm Chris Bevan of the Can Repository along with Joe Scalzo, Mike Popovich, and Josh Weir from the Rep to break it all down. And we're going to start off with the McKinley and Perry game. And I think a lot of people thought this was going to be a formality for McKinley especially uh, when it rolled down the field to start the game, Josh, but it was anything but that. Yeah, three, three first-half uh, turnovers, um, you know, really kind of opened the door for Perry, and, uh, and and Perry did a great job of, you know, scoring 17 points off that in the first half. And, uh, you know, I, I think McKinley, their, their opening drive went seven plays, 70 yards, and they ran seven offensive plays over the next – 16 minutes of game action because of their fumbles so yeah it, it was just a kind of a you know vintage Perry performance and they, they they took advantage of the mistakes and they were tough enough to finish it off and I mean what a what a great win for for their program with the the turnovers from McKinley self-inflicted or was Perry forcing some of them oh no it was it was a you know a muffed punt it was a uh, fumble on a squib kickoff, and then it was a you know fumble at the end of a run that didn't really look like it was punch loose. Really, it was just kind of maddening stuff. Especially you know the the, the special teams turnovers. I mean that's you know the, your offense is not even touching the ball, and then to kind of you know to, to make matters worse, you're giving the ball to Perry, and they're gonna you know run ten twelve plays if they got a drive going. It's not like they're gonna you're gonna get it back in forty five seconds. So. Um, you know, to, to McKinley's credit, they they rallied in the second half and uh, you know uh, got back to within a, a single score multiple times. But um, you know, Perry was up for the challenge, and they they, they had the the counter punch each each time. How surprised were you? I mean, you've obviously covered Keith over the years and Perry over the years. Did you see any signs of this coming? No, not really, because um, I know you know Perry was coming off a really uh, poor performance against Lake, and I, I, you know Keith's been, you know, he's he's pretty honest in his assessment of his team, and he he I, I kind of sense that he he was did not feel real confident uh, coming into this game, and uh, I mean he even said afterwards, you know, he's like I didn't know what to expect from him, and uh, you know it's a young team, it's a team that's not as you know as physically tough as I think he's used to, and. Um, but they showed something tonight, that's for sure. I mean, and I think it, you know, you still have some holdovers from their their really good teams. Jaron Curtis is, you know, a, a, a really tough guy, and I mean, he kind of sets the tone for him with the the hard yards up the middle. And then they have enough weapons, you know, on the edge where they can, uh, you know, get their misdirection going and different things. And uh, you know, I think they racked up about 350 rushing yards tonight. So it was, uh, it, it definitely worked. At what point uh, did you get that sense looking at? Perry that it believed it was going to win the game. Well, I think when they, uh, you know, they went up ten seven, and then I think there was, I think that's when they McKinley fumbled the kickoff, and then you know went seventeen seven, and uh, Perry finally Perry got a couple of big sacks from from Vinny Scurry. and you know just all of a sudden you're going to the halftime locker room. They have a lot of momentum. They're getting the ball. Uh, coming out of, uh, out of out of halftime, and you know they're they're up ten, and it was just like, wow, this is this is legit. You know, this this could happen, and uh, yeah, and then it did. <laughs> from from the other side of it, now we're looking at McKinley. 
what uh, what was the mood afterwards? I know Coach Reardon talked to his guys for a long time. What? Uh, how would you sum up where they were? I think they're you know uh, bitterly disappointed, as Jim Harbaugh would say. And the <laughs> <laughs> ten weeks in our first uh, Jim Harbaugh reference. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was a long conversation. It sounded like a one-sided conversation in there. I think Dan Reardon was doing most of the talking, and uh, he was pretty steamed. I mean, Dan's a, a cool customer usually. I mean, he doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't really let his emotions show a ton, and he was he was pretty pretty angry during uh, our talk. You know, you could tell it was he, he was steamed, and and as as he should be. I mean, that was a pretty poor performance. Um, you know, I mean, when when you've gone through what they've gone through the last couple years at the end of seasons, it's, it's hard not to like maybe feel that pressure kind of building a little bit. He, he kind of played that off, I think a little bit, but um, I think it's a very real thing. And, you know, but it is, it's, it's the Maslin game. I mean, you better, you know, you should be able to get up for it and, and uh, maybe, it, maybe it has a, a counter effect and kind of makes them angry and, you know, maybe they'll play better next week. I, I don't know, but for, for one night, this was a, you know, I don't think they saw it coming. They've been playing really good football and it was just, it was a, especially in that first half, a real dud. Be a real test to, to see what they could bring in, in talking about Maslin. They, uh, the Tigers rolled tonight over Louisville, kind of a, a lot of hype for that game coming in with them being the first two times that they play each other. And then, uh, you know, it looked like Maslin really took it to them early, which kind of surprised us back in the office. Uh, Joe, uh, you were monitoring that game a, a little bit. Uh, seemed like uh, the personal foul count was uh, was as high as the point, the touchdown totals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of started. It looked like from the from the you know before the game even started. I think Louisville came out of the tunnel and, and kind of went over in Maslin's area, and teams had to be separated. And and I, I you know I think there's something to the fact that like you know Louisville kids are tough and they don't want to back down and and they're going to show that they're not going to just roll over, but. Uh, it sounded like you know some of those fouls cost him a little bit, and and uh, you know Louisville had some chances to score, but you know Maslin's really good, and and uh, you know you can't hurt yourself with with, with penalties, and and uh, you never never get anything on the board to to kind of make a game of it. You've uh, covered both teams uh, over the last couple of years since you've been at the Rep, Joe. How how hard is this Week Nine setup for each team? You think? For Perry and or for Louisville and, and no, I mean for McKinley and Maslin. How how hard is it for them in Week Nine? Knowing oh. what's what's ahead for them because obviously in past years Maslin's had a lot of trouble with St. V in this particular week. Yeah, and and you know, and it's a little disappointing for for McKinley's standpoint because I think they've got a team that can really um, grab their attention and. And uh, I, I like the Perry game for them in Week Nine. They just can't seem to win it each year. And and yeah, for Maslin, I mean, they they struggled against St. V probably just because St. V has traditionally been really Same good. V. Yeah, um, I, I thought that Louisville would put up a little bit more of a, a challenge for them this week. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things. It's all signs are pointing to you know this being a, a special Maslin team and, and McKinley maybe not having a good enough team to to beat them and um you know it's kind of a little bit disconcerting that that mckinley wasn't able to to take another step because it seemed it seemed like every week this year they've gotten a little better and then you know this tonight they, they took a step back aiden longwell threw for 200 plus yards for maslin and its win and jameer thomas had another 100 yard game so the tigers mm-hmm. tuned up well and now we'll have the the week 10 matchup with with mckinley and maslin which we'll talk a lot next week uh, on the next podcast but just real quick thoughts looking ahead 
ahead to it now for the 129th meeting between the two teams where we're not getting the 9-0, 9-0 that we thought uh, would happen. But uh, what's just your quick thought on it, Joe? Yeah, I think everyone's a little disappointed that we're not getting that. It was going to be the, I think, the third time all ever, or first in about since two thousand. It would have been the third time since nineteen sixty four. Is that what it is? That they would have both come in at okay. nine and zero, and then there was uh, three games in the thirties where they were both undefeated and untied, and then a couple of other games here and there. I know, like in nineteen seventy, I think it was Maslin may have had a tie coming into it. One of them had a tie, so been pretty rare for teams that have been playing since 1894 yeah and it's and 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 it's surprising to me i mean you look at mckinley they're eight and one they they've really handled everybody on their schedule except perry and if they you know they don't fumble the ball away a couple times a night they're probably nine and oh but you know they they enter as decided underdogs and um i know this this rivalry has been wacky at times so um you know, you know, I think most people are hoping for a really, really good game because both both these teams are probably the class of Star County. Um, but uh, boy, you know, McKinley—they've they, already clinched his playoff spot. They they might need this to get stay home in Week One. Whereas for Maslin, this is just about the game. They—they've—I think they probably got Region Seven pretty much wrapped up, um, even if they lose, and and uh, they've got you know some huge goals ahead. So, be interesting to see what happens this week. Talk more about the uh, playoff picture in just a moment. Joe has quite a bit to say about that. <laughs> Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, continues Friday, October 26th, when Jackson hosts Hoover. Kickoff, 7 p.m., broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin, Jeff Shreve, and Todd Porter provide the call each Friday night. Looking at some other games in Division One and Division Two, uh, Hoover in Division Two, big loss for the Vikings. Uh, they, they probably needed to, to win out to, to do what they wanted to do for for sure. Now I think if they do win in Week Ten, they probably still will make the playoffs. But it's going to be touch and go for them. Forty-five to thirty-eight, Hoover lost at Columbus Hartley. Uh, kind of a, a bitter night for the Vikings, Joe. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, I don't even know if they make it if they win next week. And, and you know, part of that is just Region Seven being a, a complete nightmare this year. Whereas you know, last few years it wasn't. Um, you know, I looked and and uh, I mean, right now it's twelve thirty at night. I mean, Perry's sitting eleventh, Hoover's sitting twelfth. Hoover's three losses were to Akron East, McKinley, and a Bishop Harley team that could probably threaten for a state title division three. And it's just. It kind of annoys me right now that that they're on the outside looking in, and you see a team like Worcester that's not very good, that's seven and two, and they're in fifth. And, and quite frankly, I mean, they're getting rewarded for playing a much much weaker schedule. And uh, you know, I think that's kind of the frustration that everybody has. I mean, Perry's, you know, seven and two, they're in eleventh. You know, they they didn't have a very good non league schedule, so that's you know at least a little bit more fair. But um, you know, it's one of those years where where you're going to get really frustrated if you start looking at other regions like region five and and seeing where other teams are at and and uh you know i mean you want to see teams get rewarded for playing good teams and you want to see teams that are, are worthy of playoffs you know bursts get in and, and we're not we're not going to see that in a, in a couple different regions this year i think what's tough on that end is when you see division two teams that play a lot of division one teams on their schedule and then when they do play a smaller school say like perry they're playing central catholic which is mm-hmm. you know a bear if they get into the playoffs in division five so you know they're not ducking people generally and then you have other division two teams that play a lot of d3s d4s 
you know, they're picking off the the really low-level City Series teams or Senate League teams. But uh, I think it's kind of like in college basketball where you're able to game that RPI a little bit. If you are able to play a lot of what appear to be good teams and get some quality wins, what appear to be quality wins where you just get some computer points, mm-hmm. I think the same thing happens here where you're able to really make some hay against maybe a lot of four- and five-win type teams, whereas – you know teams like Hoover and Perry that have got uh, you know one or two really good wins, but are playing a really tough schedule that's going to prevent them from going nine and one or ten and zero. Uh, it's hurting them. Yeah, I mean the same is true of Louisville. They're five and four. I mean, in all four of their losses are legit. They're sixteenth in in Region Nine and Division Three, and and you know Lakes five and four, and they're sixteenth. And and you know for for just a comparison's sake. Lake's 16th, they would be 8th in Region 5. And, and, you know, and I'm not saying Lake should be in the playoffs. I don't think that's true. But, you know, yeah, I mean, Dan Ift at Dover kind of pointed out early in the year, but the problem with this is that you don't get rewarded for scheduling tough teams. So unless you have a really special team that's going to that's gonna beat a lot of those teams, there's not a lot of incentive. And, you know, he's 7-2, and two, and frankly, they only have one good win, and that's against Akron East. And so they they've kind of played it the right way here. I mean they they did lose to Lake and they did lose to Steubenville, which are you know legit teams. But um, you know it's it's one of those things, and I don't think it happens enough for them to change the system. But you know clearly this is one of these years where where people are going to be steamed about what happens, and I think they have a, a, a legitimate gripe. Yeah, it would, obviously one cure would be for each division, you just take the best X amount of teams and mm-hmm. you don't worry about the regions, but it's high school football. It's a lot tougher to do that than, say, at a college level because of the travel and whatnot. So you do sure. need the region to an extent. I think what probably has a lot of people curious is the shuffle that happened after last season and left – you know, one region particularly loaded, while while another region is nowhere near loaded. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, Wadsworth and Barberton are both in Region Seven. They're undefeated. Those are legit teams. I'm not saying that they there aren't good teams in that. You know, Maslin, Wadsworth, Barberton, one, two, three. That's a good start. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a head scratcher that that. <sighs> You know that it seemed like a lot of the teams that moved in were really good, and the teams that left Region Seven weren't very good, and and you know. I don't know what you do about that. I know it's a tough thing when you got 30 regions to, to worry about for the OHSAA to, to figure out every year to make it fair. But, um, you know, Division Two has always been one of those strange geographic, you know, divisions because there's just, you know, there, there's not a good breakdown. I think in Northeast Ohio, especially, we get a little spoiled and, and we don't expect to have teams matched up with teams from Columbus. So, um, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm going to complain about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Division One. Jackson uh, rolls over Green, 42 to seven, and, and the Polar Bears are still, you know, in the playoff hunt too, Joe. Yeah, they're a good team. They're they're sitting ninth, and boy, you know, they they definitely need to be beat Hoover and probably get some help too to get in. And again, that's a team that that has three losses that are all good losses, and um, so we'll see. But at, at the very least, I I, I think you know Jackson is going to feel good about this season if they if they beat Hoover even if they don't make it on because they were going to challenge for a, a state championship anyway but um you know taking care of business again, tonight against Green and and just another way of of showing how far that program has come under Tim Bud that you that a 7 and 3 season um it, it just feels like a normal season now for them 
And they also, I thought, had the impressive wins early on on the road. Two longer road trips, about an hour each, I'm guessing, going over to Boardman and uh, Mayfield to get those big wins early. I think that speaks well for any team that's willing to go on the road Mm -hmm. an hour at least and play a a good opponent. Yeah, and and, and an opponent that isn't going to be an, you know, too hard for them to be. They're not playing San Ignatius. That's not right. It's a, it's a reasonable matchup. It's a game where you know you're going to go and be competitive. Mm-hmm. And if you play well, you, you'll probably win. If you don't play well, you probably won't. Yeah. And, I mean, their loss was Akron East, which was, you know, obviously their, their only losses is against Dover this year. So that's a good game for them. And I'm sure they feel like they should have won that one, but they didn't. And um, But, uh, yeah, I like the way Jackson set their schedule. And I think that just in general, we like it when teams play tough teams. And, and I look at Alliance sitting 12th in Region 9, and they played tough competition, and they're probably not going to get in, and, and they probably should. So, you know, it's a lot to be just, you know, at the very least, you're getting rewarded by us bragging about you on this podcast. I don't know what that's worth. <laughs> a podcast trophy. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive continues next week for Week 10 at Louisville and Central Catholic. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. Going to bring in Mike Popovich to talk about a historic night for Sandy Valley football. The Cardinals beat Buckeye trail 47 to 18 tonight mike and what did that mean to the cardinals winning that game well one thing i i need to thank you for reminding me that ike was president the last time (laughs) it was that that happened anytime i can get a dwight eisenhower reference in the podcast i will do that not when don larson threw the perfect game but we're going off track good point um yeah um that was a obviously a historic win for sandy valley um and and an important win for them as well. Um, they're you know they're still kind of sitting on that brink, seventh and eighth spot in their region. Um, Buckeye Trail came within five wins, so you figure they get a little help uh, for for beating them. But um, yeah, um, you know coming off a, a Ford six season last year, um, putting themselves in position to to win a league title for the first time in a long time and get back to the playoffs. Um, you know, a great accomplishment for them. Um, I know by reading Steve Dorschick's story, there wasn't a a big celebration, obviously, because I think they know they have some work to do. Um, they'd like to win the outright IVC North title, and they want to assure themselves of of getting into the playoffs. And uh, you know, it would be a shame. I mean, I I think they got a good chance of of getting in if they win next week. And I'd like to see how they would do. You know, with Cameron Blair having a great season at quarterback, and them starting to get healthy right now with uh, you know Brendan Abradovich coming back uh, at running back. He had over 200 yards rushing tonight and three touchdowns so uh, uh, they got a rivalry game next week against Malvern so that's going to help that's going to keep them focused and uh, you know we'll see where they uh, end up you saw Bradovich uh, in his return game last week against East Canton Mike what what's he bring to them that that really helps them down the stretch here well he you know he can give you some uh, he can give you some tough yards uh, when they need it Uh, I remember him uh, you know doing that to to set up one of their touchdowns um, uh, against East Canton last week and uh, you know you know, takes some of the load off of uh, Cameron Blair at quarterback. He's had to kind of shoulder a little bit of the load while he was out, um, and you know, he still, you know, he was still able to persevere through that through that period as well. Um, 
you know, just a great season for this kid. He's he threw for four more touchdown passes tonight. And to give you an idea of the type of season he's having, he's having his season low uh, for touchdown passes in a game is three. So, I mean, that's just that just gives you a good idea of how well he's doing. Yeah, I don't know that we have records, you know, of that type of detail, but I can't imagine that we've had too many Stark County quarterbacks who have thrown at least three touchdown passes in every game. The only guys that come to mind are, you know, Justin Zwick had a lot of touchdown passes. Is one, you know, one of those seasons at Maslin. You know, Kyle Kemp had a huge year. Uh, I know Hunter Wells obviously owns some of the career stuff and, and had some had a big senior season. But if I recall, he did have a couple of games and there were people slowed him down and, and you know, he didn't have three touchdown passes. That's just a remarkable consistency by a sophomore to, to be doing that. And we talked about this, uh, I think, either Tuesday or last week, Mike. The, the fact that they have such a diverse group of guys to throw to, you know, usually, especially at that smaller, you know, D5 through 7 level, you're lucky if you have one good receiver, maybe a, a second competent kid to catch the ball. Sandy Valley seems to have just a, a lot of targets for him, and he knows how to use them. Oh, yeah, and they can make, they can make big plays after the catch. You know, I remember uh, that happening a couple times last week when they played East Canton, you know, Brody Kelly. Uh, Catches a short pass, turns it into a long touchdown run. Uh, Demetrius Franks did the same thing. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's quite an advantage that you have, and quite a problem for opposing defenses. And I think it's impressive you mentioned it in reading Steve Dorsch's story on FridayNightOhio.com that uh, no massive celebration. That the Cardinals are focused. They they want to get the win next week over Malvern to complete a perfect league season and, and be an outright champion. It'll be regardless their first league title of any sort since nineteen. 19- 56. Looking at the EBC, first year for the EBC, the former NBC minus Louisville. And it's going to come down to a Week 10 showdown between Marlington and Alliance, as each of them will be unbeaten in league play. And I think it's appropriate, going back to Joe's theme, kind of. Marlington and Alliance probably played the best non-league schedules to set themselves up. And each have gone through league play undefeated to this point. Uh, Alliance was a winner by three touchdowns tonight over Minerva. And Marlington was a 28-20 winner over West Branch, and uh, it sounded like the Dukes uh, got off to a great start. Had some rough patches in the first half with some drop passes, and then uh, C.J. Griner's receiver started hanging on to the ball better in the second half. He threw three touchdown passes. Blaine Himmelheber continued to be a a versatile threat for them, and uh, Mar Mason also had some big plays for him. So the Dukes will go into the final week of the season at 8-1. They're going to be playing Alliance. The winner will get the EBC title and also uh, most likely a, a spot in the playoffs, though I think Alliance probably will still need some help. Uh, and bring back in uh, Joe here to, to, before we wrap it up. And, you know, you looked at those playoff pictures. What, what's uh, what's it look like for those two teams? Well, Marlington is they're in a control-your-own-destiny situation. If they win, they're in. And, uh, you know, Alliance, boy, it's – it's not impossible. Um, they certainly would get a lot from from that, but um, they would probably need some help too. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think both those teams probably are deserving of playoff berths. And uh, you know, kind of just stuck in a situation where, again, you're in a tough region with a lot of good teams. And and it's funny because I look and 
you know, St. Vincent, St. Mary is already out. They're they're five and three. I mean, Louisville. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, West Branch has been eliminated. Louisville's been eliminated. Those are all teams. I mean, Louisville is one of the eight best teams in that region, I would think. And and uh, you know, they're out. So it just shows you how tough it is this year in, in Division Three, Region Nine, and kind of all over Northeast Ohio in in at least in the top re- top divisions. That's going to wrap it up here. A reminder of the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week powered by iHeartRadio for Friday, October 26th is Hoover at Jackson. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. Thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday Night Ohio podcast powered by Goodwill, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. The Goodwill Drive to Victory donation drive returns in Week 10 at Louisville and Central Catholic. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. Check back for another podcast Tuesday. For Josh Weir, Cliff Hickman, Mike Popovich, and Joe Scalzo, I'm Chris Bevin.